welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from Dallas, Texas, is Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Joining us from vacation, McMahon, from vacation, hmm. is Tim Bontemps in Mexico. Mexico. Well, McMahon did this from vacation a couple weeks ago, so I didn't think it was above me to do it from vacation. Uh, also. So here I, mean, I am. So did Wendy in Hawaii. Now, I will point out mine was a working vacation because I tried to squeeze a vacation in, and the NBA said, no, no, no. We'll have the draft and free agency during that time you're trying to squeeze a vacation in. Well, much obliged that Bontemps would join us from vacation. Leave the, it's, always, leave the it's, always fun to, it's always fun to do the pod. Bontemps, uh, how many Spanish words do you know other than cerveza <laughs> and por favor? Uh, those, are, those are two of the ones that I do know. I probably use the most. Uh, I, I, have, I know a decent amount of uh, vocab in Spanish. I'm not, uh, I can understand when people are talking to me. I can't exactly respond very well, but I have a decent number of words. Okay. All right. Um, I only knew a handful of words in Japanese and I got by. So, um, one of them was uh, katamene, katamene, katame, which means uh, cooked, well done. Oh, that, I, that could be important. You know, the Japanese don't always like to cook things to the medium level mm-hmm. that we like, um, much less the pastor off. So, that was key. Um, I'm sure there's somebody who speaks Japanese will tell me how much I just botched that. But, um, okay. So, the wind totals, the over-under wind totals are out now that the offseason is essentially complete. Um, you know, I suppose that we're there's a chance of a of a of a trade between now and start of training camp, although I don't sense that. I know everybody's watching um Ben Simmons. I don't sense that a trade is in the offing. Uh Bon Temps, I know you're on the Sixers. Do you feel the same way on that? Yeah, I mean, we like we've talked about for a while. The Ben Simmons situation is uh, reliant on someone else wanting to be traded and the Sixers being able to do something. And it's hard for me to see, you know, Dame Lillard potential trade materializing in the next few weeks. Um, and well, Lillard it's hard for me continues to, see. to sit on the fence and say, I, I'm fine right now. Right. I don't you see know. it. I've, if that hasn't changed by this point, I don't see that changing before camp starting. And I see the same thing as far as the Bradley Beal situation goes. And there's not really anybody else you look at and say that, it makes sense for Philly to try to trade Ben Simmons yeah, for so, right now. So. so the intelligence is the teams that have talked to Philly, they are not in right now in the mode for trading Ben Simmons. It doesn't mean that he's not available, but right now it does not appear there are any active discussions for Ben Simmons. And um, I think Ben is preparing to start the season with Philadelphia. He may not be thrilled about that because uh, he's been in trade rumors the entire off season. Um, and I'm sure he, the, the, uh, the entire time since Daryl Morey's arrived in Philadelphia, let's be right. real. And let's be honest. Uh, since he uh, passed up the wide open dunk in the playoffs, I'm not so sure that his uh, Q rating in Philly is that high. And so you're not sure. <laughs> I think, I think Ben will probably uh, maybe like fly in the night before training camp mm-hmm. in the cover of darkness. Um, he's been uh, working out in LA. So um, since we think that these are essentially are going to be the teams that started the season, obviously wild stuff happens during the year, but the wind totals are out. I want to take a look at a few of them and always 
the, the ones at the very top and the ones at the very bottom are the ones that are most interesting. You know, there's some in the middle that you could spar over. Um, but at the very top, the Brooklyn Nets, 54 and a half is their over under for wins. Um, it's a tough one, Bontemps, because I don't know who's going to play for the Nets and for how long and all these things. Um, they obviously have a spectacular team and they should win a lot of games, but a 55 yep. win over under is a big number. Yeah. And this is always a fun thing to look at, at least for me, because it gives you a chance to try to figure out how you think the teams stack up in the league. And if you go through the win totals and kind of gauge it out and think, Oh, well, I think this team is a few wins over a few wins under what Vegas thinks might give you a sense of seeing where you at least think that there might be some changes from uh, what sort of the consensus is on teams in the league. And part of the, part of the thinking, especially when you're talking about the top and the bottom of the league in terms of figuring out where you feel about or how you feel about these win totals is looking at it and saying, um, what is the motivation for these teams going into the season? Because a lot of this just comes down to how are these teams going to approach the year? And you look at, you know, the two teams everybody has talked about the most this offseason, the Nets and the Lakers, and it's hard to know, to your point, what their motivations for the season are going to be. Both of those teams are, you would think, going to be hyper-focused on being ready for April, May, and June and have a lot of older players, have a lot of guys that they're going to probably be conservative with minutes wise and games wise at points. We've seen the nets are very, very conservative with how they approach injuries. That's um, a very key factor here. I, in right. my mind, yep. the way the nets treat injuries is a key factor in making, if you wanted to make this bet, because totally. I mean, forget about the, the Kyrie has now shown us that he may want to take leaves every now and then. Let's just say that he doesn't do that this year. Kyrie gets hurt. Kyrie gets hurt. He's a, he's an injury prone player. And by the way, Durant missed how much with a hamstring injury last year? Months. Yep. Right? As, yep. as did as did Harden, and right. you know Harden for his whole career has been remarkably durable until last season. And James Harden turned, also. I think, I think he turned thirty-two years old today. That's getting up today's there. his thirty-second birthday, and um, you know, <laughs> some of those thirty-two years have been lived pretty hard. Um, I, I don't know if he'll be with his personal trainers in Vegas at the start of training camp this year. So perhaps he'll come well, in a little bit. The word is that Harden condition. is in good shape. That's the word. Yeah. He's in good shape. And and so, you know, Harden, look, maybe last year is going to be an exception. Um, certainly to this point in his career, it is. He has been a tremendously durable player until this year. You know, if James Harden's back to being an, you know, high 70s, 80 game player, um, it's really hard for me to see them not hitting the over here. I mean, this is obviously a team with 60 plus win talent, but it's also the biggest wild card because just what you're saying, I mean, is Kyrie going to play 30 games? Is he going to play 60 games? Is KD going to play, you know, I mean, KD obviously proved that come playoff time, he's, he's, he's ready to play every single minute. But I yep. think it's reasonable to anticipate that for the rest of Katie's career, and by the way, rightfully so, the regular season will be kind of about just managing his way through it. Yeah, totally. And that, that's why, to me, looking at this, when you talk about the, uh, the incentives for teams to, to push in the regular season, while the Lakers and, and Nets, to your point, McMahon, could easily finish with the best records of both conferences, I wouldn't feel comfortable betting the over-under on either of them just for that reason. Like, they could – 
they could both go into the playoffs. Well, we haven't, even, we haven't even given the Lakers over under yet. So, which is 50, 51 and a half, right? Yeah. So, but, you know, the, the other thing here is how much does home court advantage in the first round matter to the Nets? Uh, right. Certainly, certainly, you know, I mean, Harden said it. If they're healthy, he, he doesn't think they can be beat. Um, right. Call it confidence, arrogance, whatever you want to call it. Um, having said that, I think they that if uh, they have a chance to make sure that a game seven would be in Brooklyn over Milwaukee, it'd be in their best interest. To, well, let's talk uh, about Milwaukee real quick. Yep. So before we get to the West, just before we get the Lakers, Milwaukee has the second highest win total, one game less than Brooklyn at 53 and a half. Um, second highest total in the league, too. Yes, those are two highest in the league. Yes. By the way, I feel like the Eastern Conference is going to be reasonably competitive uh, this year. I'm not saying that there's going to be, um, you know, 650 win teams or whatever that was. Maybe the one year in the West, it was like nine or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's 12 teams you can make a legitimate argument or playoff quality teams in the Eastern Conference. Right. That's so a I, lot. Just, I think that overall, the win totals in the East may be a little bit down just because it's highly more competitive. But, um, you know, the, the, it is a rare year where you have the highest team at 54 and a half. I, the, you know, the, the odds makers are baking in what they expect to be a competitive East. Right. Um, the thing about the bucks is I think they have a, one thing that they have in their favor other than they've got Giannis and they're great, but they're going to have great continuity. I know they lost PJ Tucker, um, yep. but um, they're generally going to have their same team. And I would assume they're going to, that's going to be in their favor, assuming relative health. And certainly when you look at teams like the Lakers or the Clippers um, teams that have major changes that they have to deal with for their roster and other teams as well, um, that's going to be a factor. So I I think continuity plays into the bucks favor at 53 and a half on this. I also think that there's going to be a lot of incentive and uh, push from the bucks to McMahon's prior point about the nets. I think the Bucs are going to try very hard to be the number one seed. I think they're going to want, I don't think they're going to want to be in a situation where they have to potentially play a game seven on the road against the Nets team with those three guys all healthy. Right. I mean, I think they obviously survived that last year by the skin of their teeth. But yeah, I think because only one this, of them was healthy. Right. And I think coming into this season, it's going to like, I think the incentive is there for the Bucs to push in a way that to McMahon's point, the Nets clearly are not that concerned about anybody from the standpoint that they think if they're healthy, they're the best team in the league. Um, and deservedly so. Like, they, they should they should feel confident. So, uh, when you talk about the incentive structure in place for teams, like, to me, I think the Bucs are one of the best bets on the board because I think they're going to go, so, assuming health, well north of 53 and a half. And so I you, think they'll so, have the best record in the East. Okay, so you think that that's an over, but you think Brooklyn is an under? Or no, but you said Brooklyn was a no bet. I, I, I think I wouldn't – I just don't know where to put peg the Nets. The Nets could yeah. win 65 games and they could win 50. And, like, right. I, I, it just – I don't and, – and, and I wouldn't equally, feel comfortable betting it. And be equally, you know, title favorites, whether they win 50 or 60. Exactly. Absolutely. I, the, Absolutely. The Nets, to me, are the team that I would just stay away from because it's really about how many game do their, games do their stars play, and who knows? You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. 
So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Like the Nets could win close to 70 games maybe if like everybody's healthy all year and they push. Like yeah. that's not out of the realm of possibility, right. but, but that won't happen. No, I don't think so. And like, I think it's more likely that they, you know, to McMahon's point, they kind of severely take their foot off the gas and just kind of make sure all those guys are hundred percent for the playoffs if they possibly can. All right. So Philadelphia, uh, just cause I want to wrap up the top of the East here. Philadelphia is a 51 and a half. I think this is a no bet too, because how do you know what's going to happen? What they're going to do with Ben Simmons? How do you know what their roster right. is going to look like? Um, uh, I think, you know, I mean, if you're a Sixer fan, you want to put down money because you think they're going to be the over or you hate the Sixers. And you want to bet on the under just to have a bet to root for. But uh, how can you possibly predict what the Sixers are going to be? I sort of like I sort of like the under because I think it's going to be a pretty messy. uncertain situation and it's going to be messy. Yes, it's going to be yeah. messy. So I, but I, but to your point, they could win 54, 55 games, too. But I would say that one, I think, goes under. I think it's going to be messy. And I think you can you know, factor in and be missing a hand, you know, what are you sure? 10, 10, 10, 15 games. Will he still be I an mean, MVP candidate? Right, <laughs> we'll <be going> <laughs> oh, what's the over under of uh, games where Joel and B will no longer be an MVP candidate. <laughs> Hold on, what's the, <laughs> the, the over under? When, when will our first MVP debate, will we get through the first week of the season? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. The other, the other one I like at the top of the East is Miami. I, I think Miami is another hard over. Um, 47 and a half. I yeah. think that's a hard over the heat. The heat always push in the regular season. Um, they've got Kyle Lowry, who is generally a pretty durable guy. Jimmy Butler, generally a pretty durable guy, but he wasn't Bam at a bio. He wasn't last year, but I, I, you, I, I would tend over his history, like, like with Harden, I expect him to be out there. I think the heat are going to be really good. I think they're going to be the clear number three team in the East. And I they're think just they win over 50 be, games. they're just going to be a pain in the ass to play against. So just like, yep. you know, be the, you're playing the third game of the week and you, going to Miami and whether you go out or not, you got to deal with those guys just beating the hell out of you. They're not going to be any fun to play. Yeah, A couple of things. First off, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just anecdotally over the last four or five years, the heat play a ton, a ton of very close games, just the nature of their style of play. They play a lot of close games because 
they a lot of times patchwork their team together and they grind games and it's just how they play under Eric Spolstra. And you just traded for a guy in Kyle Lowry who is a difference maker in close games. So that's one. Two, as McMahon just referenced, you know, the pandemic pretty much cured the Miami flu because the Miami flu wasn't mm-hmm. an option. Now, Unless you were the Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> you got the... <laughs> I mean, you get some sad. Miami black eyes there from uh, getting beat up. A lot worse than um, that. Yeah. Um, so I hope that the clubs are open for the sake of our country and the sake of our society. But there's a possibility. Oh, no, they'll be they'll be open. Will the NBA players? I mean, <laughs> trust me, in Florida, it's wide open. Hey, right. You, know, you, you can go in there and lick the floor. But <laughs> you know, will the NBA? Will the NBA allow it? Or lick something else? Um, yeah, okay, so. In the West, uh, the, the, the odds makers, you know, this is the reason we've never really done this on this pod before, but I felt that these numbers were so interesting. The odds makers are struggling here um, and they they're really not installing favorites. Um, no. They're they're well, kind I think of I'm with to I'm with over. them. I'm with yeah, so, well, I'll, I'll say this. You look at Utah, Utah, they've got a 51 and a half. I think that's another hard over. Yeah, the Jazz won 52 games in a shortened schedule last that's year. That's right. I think and the Jazz are going to win a ton of and games. And again, I want to point out continuity on their side. <clears throat> I know that there's there's a little bit, you know, they they dumped uh, Derek Favors. They dumped Favors, they, but they brought in Rudy Gay, which, you know, clearly they believed was an upgrade. It, it certainly diversifies the roster. Um, I think we will see. Rudier probably plays some small ball five. You know, they got the first yep. round pick as a from last year who, you know, will probably soak up most of the traditional uh, backup big man. They're begging oh, you to take they, the brought in, they brought in they're white begging side. you to take the that. over here, right? Yeah, yes. I mean, I, Utah, Utah, again, go back to, go back to what we talked about at the beginning, the incentive structure in Utah, McMahon knows this better than anybody. They are going to try to win as many regular season games as possible. They're going to want to mm-hmm. have the number one seed again. They're I'm sure they look at last season and think if Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell were healthy, that series against the Clippers goes a lot different. Maybe we're in the finals. Maybe everything is different, right? I think they're mm-hmm. going to want to get the number one seed again. They always win a ton of games at home because they have that altitude advantage in Utah. Advantage. It's always a great home court advantage. With the fans, fans are going to be there from there. day one. So. Yep. <clears throat> and I, I, so I really, really like the over for the jazz a lot. Yeah. That that's probably the, of all of them that, are on the list. The Jazz is the one that I thought really kind of stood out uh, as as being a low total. So we mentioned earlier the Lakers are fifty one and a half. This back before you could bet anywhere, when you'd see Lakers lines, you would see ridiculous lines that were directly aimed at Laker fans who would come right. to Vegas to bet because some people <clears> in LA <throat> make pilgrimages, especially over the summer to Vegas. Um, now that's not the case as much anymore. There's more there's more betting handle going on in New Jersey than there is in Nevada, much less uh, across the country. So, um, but even still they're this is almost like a trap. They're, you know, they're like begging people to take the over here on 51 and a half because, because, you know, the attraction of adding Westbrook to, uh, to AD and LeBron, but um, they're going to have a whole new team. Um, I have no idea, you know, just look at last year. Westbrook had a great year, but it took the Wizards months to figure out how to play with them. I know and, same and, thing, and, uh, same thing the year before in Houston, too. Same thing the year before in Houston. Same thing with LeBron, his first year with Kyrie. Same thing with LeBron, his first year with D Wade. 
I think it's reasonable to look at those four situations and then you see LeBron and Russ coming together and, you know, anticipate that they'll get off to a relatively slow start. Now, does that mean, you know, floating around at a few games above 500, you know, probably something like that. But, uh, yeah, like, you know, we had a five on five question a little while back that was with the Lakers being first place in Christmas. I, I would be shocked by that just because I do think it's going to take them a while uh, to kind of figure out exactly how the, all this is going to work. Plus, you well, know, again, AD is going to miss AD is going to miss games. Right. No question. No question. And again, look at the incentives here, right? Are the Lakers going to be afraid of being on the road against Utah or Phoenix or any of these teams? No, no they're not going to be worried about it. They're going to want to get through the season healthy. And, you know, Russ has dealt with quad issues the past couple of years. He could take more games off than he's used to. Maybe LeBron James, who always does like to play also, maybe he, he does like gets to, some he, more he scheduled game games off. Could. No, but yeah, for sure. Well, but, yeah. but what is but, this for LeBron year? What? 19? 19. I mean, woo, you know. So, I'm right. So, the incentives, the, again, like this is not about where I think the Lakers, like the Lakers easily could win the West. They easily could have the best record in the West in the regular season. But if I'm making a bet, this is about the incentives for the Lakers in terms of how hard they want to push in the regular season. I feel a lot more confident that Utah and another team I think is a hard over in Phoenix. I think those teams are going to be much more incentivized to okay, push hard in the regular season so than a team Phoenix, like the Lakers are. Phoenix, 50.5. Uh, continuity on their side. Don't know how much Chris Paul is going to play. They're going to have to protect him to a certain extent. Obviously, they're going to play the long game. They are now a team that has to be thinking about June. Um whether you believe it or not, they have to be thinking about June in November, December, January. Yep. Um, but you're going to have great continuity coming off of a great season. And, you know, you're looking at, at Booker and Bridges and Ayton on upswings in their career, still getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, young guys who are going to be playing hard every game. Yeah. Uh, We'll see, you know, Aiton and Bridges are extension eligible. We'll see whether those extensions get done sometimes after guys get contracts. You know, they don't always play their greatest, but I, I don't see that being with Bridges and Aiton. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking for a reason why, why you should, uh, why it's this number. I guess it's just the competitiveness of the West, maybe. I don't well, know. Well, I think, I do think there is some skepticism about Phoenix from last season. Um, I, I mean, I think it's a combination of skepticism and also well, they, like they benefited getting to the finals because of injuries, but it, but they but were they had a great the second best. Yeah, they had the second best record in the yeah. NBA. No, no, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think it's a combination of a little skepticism about their run and also, like, I, I think to McMahon's point at the beginning, or I, which one of you, whichever one of you, all these teams, at the top of the West, like the top six teams are sort of think are on their own tier are basically within three or four wins. Like it's sort of a, you know, it's sort of Vegas saying, we think there's one group of teams that's much better than everybody else. You decide how you want to rank them. And right. so because of that, it kind of flattens everybody out. All right. Now here's one of the most interesting numbers on the board. Golden State Warriors. 48.5. Total stay away. If me. you know what the Warriors are going to be this year, God bless yeah. you. Well, and yep. again, what what's Clay Thompson going to be? No clue. So, but you know, what's James yeah. Wiseman going to be? What are these two lottery picks? Are they going to help him? I don't know. Right? Do they do they make a trade? You know, does Steph does Steph play eighty games? Like, there's so many questions. Golden State could have the best record in the <laughs> does West. Draymond like the place on fire? Right. <laughs> I mean, they Golden State could be anywhere from first to sixth or seventh 
in the West, I think, this year. So I, that, to me, is another one where it's not really a commentary on what I think of the team's talent level. It's just that if I'm betting money, I, I just I have no way of knowing what that team's going to look like. Yeah, I, I don't – it's – you could convince me of anything. Well, not anything, but, <laughs> uh, you know, and you're right. Like, at some point, they could put all their chips in the basket, attach Andrew Wiggins for it, and go after Bradley Beal. I mean, they probably have the widest, they probably have the widest range of outcomes of any team in the league this year from like what their high end is to their low end. Like they could, they could be a borderline playoff team or they could have a top three record in the league. And I think either is plausible. And the other, another one, before we go look at the teams at the bottom, another one that is sort of just, it's very hard to project are the Clippers. They're 44 and a half. So they're being projected here as a playoff team at that number. Uh, And you, and you, you don't know for sure on Kawhi, but I think if you're, I if, think you make that bet assuming he's not playing a regular season second. I agree. I, so, I tell you what, I, I I feel like the Mavericks at forty seven and a half is a little low. Oh, I did want to talk about Dallas. Let's put Clippers on the back burner. Forty seven. So let me ask you this: I, when I talk with Bon Temps about this, I, I and by the way, this is a genuine question to you, McMahon. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't think I I know the answer. Are the Mavericks an improved team? Yes. Are they a drastic, are they a drastically improved team? No, but are they improved just because you're expecting Luca to get better? I mean, why are they improved? No. So they're improved. There's a couple reasons. Number one. Uh, okay. Number one, look, I'm not going to sit here and get into this whole thing about Bullock and sort of whatever they, they added solid three and D guys around Luca. So incremental improvement. I think the number one reason the Mavericks should be improved is because I don't think Chris Depp's Porzingis is going to suck nearly as much as he did for most of last season. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, just I know, I know it's just a straight up fact. Chris Stapp's Porzingis was dragging around his leg for most of the season. He is, he is a healthy off season. You know, the man is clearly motivated I think Carlisle's departure kind of gives him a little bit of a of a fresh start. It gives them a better chance to to manage whatever awkwardness. I'm going to call it more awkwardness than tension between yep. him and 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 Luca. You know, I do think there's a fresh start. There's a ton of motivation. There is a clean bill of health, which you know that is clearly subject to change. But he has been able to train, work on his body all off season. So I do think that makes. A, uh, a significant difference. And then, you know, the other thing is this number, if you, you know, look at win percentage and adjust to 82 games, it's right about where they were last season when Josh Richardson was a terrible fit and they were just hammered early in the season by COVID. The Mavericks played, once they got through COVID, they played at a much higher clip than 47 and a half wins over an 82 game season. Okay. So, you know, am I saying like, hey, the Mavericks are a, Bonafide contender. Now they, they they obviously are, you know, they've got a lot to prove there. I just think so. You like the over at 47 and a half. I I I think I think they're a 50-ish win team. Yeah. And, I and do. Bontemps? No, I agree. I agree. And I, I do think you should sort of price in the fact that um Luka Doncic is going to get better. I mean, if you told me Luka Doncic is the MVP of the league this year, I certainly wouldn't be surprised by that. Well, he's not um, going to be the MVP unless they win in the 50s. Well, but but he but he could be MVP, and they could win in the fifties. And and I and I think to McMahon's point, there Porzingis is Chris Porzingis is one of the players with as much on the line this year as anybody in the league because 
this is a huge swing year for him. He, he does get this whole offseason to be healthy. He clearly wasn't right last year. And, you know, he can either reestablish himself as an all-star caliber player in the league or he's going to have a new normal where he's a sub-all-star player in the league. And, like, you know, this is sort of the year when all the excuses go away. There's a new coach. He should be healthy, should be able to, to get back to where he was before if he's going to be able to. So, but even still, I, I, I thought the Dallas is an over um, just looking at the number because they were basically on pace to get to where they were last year. And the addition of Bullock, Porzingis being healthier and um, Luca getting better, you would think should allow them to get to 50 or more. Because look, with Luca, that's another guy who's going to play every game. He's incredibly durable. And when he's on the court, mm. you're just going to win most of the time. I'm, 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 I dial back a little bit on Luca's durability. <laughs> but that's well, the thing is, Luca. No, they, we'll they should try to get his minutes down, right? McMahon shouldn't death Jason Kidd try to get his minutes down because he tends to wear out. It's not years. his not his minutes. It's it's more his uh, usage rate. His minutes weren't that high until playoff time. It's the usage rate. Yeah. You know? and and look, can can Brunson, who had a very good regular season and a very bad playoffs, can he take a significant step forward? I mean, um. But, you know, again, to me, it just really comes down to I do think they got incrementally better roster-wise. Porzingis should be significantly better. And post-COVID, they played at a much better clip than, than this over-under. Okay. All right, so let's move down the list a little bit. One of the teams, before we get to the bottom, that I, my eyes stopped at, the odds makers are not super duper impressed with the Bulls offseason. Uh, they put them at 41 and a half, which, by the way, if they win 42 games in the East, they're going to be in the playoffs, which is a, a struggle point for them. Maybe. Yeah, true. Um, but it's a struggle point for them. Um, uh, I mean, they that haven't looks been a to me team. like they feel pretty impressed by their offseason because the Bulls were 10 games under 500 last year. Well, Okay, I guess that's true, but uh, when you sign two eighty-five million dollar players, you're the general public. The general public, what I think, believe the Bulls should win somewhere between forty-five and fifty games. That would be yeah. that would be my belief, especially given off given how I've said what I've said about the Bulls offseason and the way it's been reacted to. Uh, so I would I would say that is below consensus. Look, I think the Bulls are going to be a below five hundred team, so I like the yeah. under on that one. I we've talked about it on the pod before. Their defense, I think, is going to be one of the absolute worst in the league. And I just don't know if their offense is going to be good enough to um, to make up for that. So I, I do not. And again, when you're talking about how competitive the Eastern Conference is, there's you're not going to pick up easy wins in the East like you used to be able to. And I think the best thing you could say for the Bulls is they have a bunch of guys who should be out there on the court a lot and should be able to pick up wins against bad teams. There just aren't very many bad teams to win games against. So I, I don't think that in this iteration of the East in particular is going to be the same advantage that it would have been a couple of years ago when there were six or seven decent teams in the conference. So I just think Zach Levine is one of the most interesting players in the NBA to watch over the next year. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's not exactly a hot take, but he extremely is extraordinarily impressed me over the last uh, 18 months. Um, I was very impressed by the way he held his own playing with Team USA, both in the run-up games when a lot of the guys weren't going full bore and in the games in Tokyo. He played very well in a bunch of those games. He does have mental mistakes. He does screw up on defense at times. 
Popovich definitely yanked him out of the game once or twice because of um, he was frustrated with him. I'm not saying that he is going to be a number one on a championship level team, but I think he's a spectacular player. I think he's undervalued and he's underpaid. And the Bulls, I understand why they didn't prioritize getting an extension done with him this offseason. They wanted to prioritize upgrading their roster. Um, I get it. But 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 by doing that, they now leave him as a guy headed for unrestricted free agency. And, um, so the upgrades better work. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I just was listening to an interview that DeMar DeRozan, his new teammate was giving, uh, he was talking to, um, uh, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson on the, uh, their podcast, the, all the smoke podcast. Um, and he was talking about how, what, what it means to play on the Olympic team. Cause he, DeRozan played on the Olympic team in Rio in 2016. And he talked about how it expands your horizons and, playing alongside such elite level players, you know, lets you sort of think about what it would be like to do it on a more regular basis. And it's not just that these guys are hanging out and like plotting to get together. It's just that you enjoy playing with yeah. high level talent. Zach Levine has never played with high level talent. I mean, uh, this one of the most incredible stats of the summer was when team USA won four straight games. It was the first time Zach Levine has on a four game win streak since he was at UCLA. And so I watched Will he have that. a four-game win streak this season? <laughs> well, Bontemps thinks maybe not. I think he will have a four-game win streak this season. Uh, but um, uh, I just, I'm telling you, I think Zach Levine thrived in the Team USA environment. Um, and I'm not saying there was one guy there who he emerged with saying, I want to play with that guy. I right. think he liked being on you know, you know, having all everything around him elevated. And so the Bulls should be aware of that as they, you know, try to retain him that, <laughs> you know, he's going to want an elevated experience. And so you got to hope that Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan are the elevated experience. Well, and, and DeRozan at 32 years old, where you not only paid him, but you gave up significant trade assets to get him. Right. I mean, that's what they gave up. They gave up stuff to get Lonzo Ball. Uh, well, not really stuff, but they, they, they've, they've built their team with Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, and Nick Vucevic to try to convince Zach Levine he should be in Chicago. And if they finish 12th in the East this year, that's not going to help their cause. And well, if to they keep finish 12th in the East, that's a, that's a borderline disaster. Well, well, and, and, and it's not just, you know, <clears throat> I mean, DeRozan and Vucevic, you know, these are both guys that you, you've gone all in on 32 and soon to be 31. Um, guys who are very good offensive players, but you know, how do they like, how do they compliment Levine defensively? And then, you know, bond as you said, they better be an offensive juggernaut because they're very likely to be a bottom. I mean, I'm going to say bottom 10 to be polite. If they finish 20th in defense, they'll be very happy. I mean, they could easily finish 28th in defense. Right. Well, I, uh, I'm a big buyer on Zach Levine. I, I think he's got a really good future ahead of him. And our Bobby I, Marks has already said next summer is going to be the, uh, the summer of Zach Levine. He could basically be the only player available. It might be an star I, level. I, player. And I'm going to say that I think Zach Levine could be the number two on a championship team. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and, uh, and, and some of those teams that maybe have a number one or, or, or are dreaming of doing that are going to be trying to get him next year. So, uh, that over under, there's a lot more than just uh, a little conversation point in August on the over under on the Bulls uh, with this team. Okay, so um, looking at the very bottom, the team with the lowest um, 
<laughs> number on this board. Uh, Oklahoma City, 22 and a half. Um, if Sam Press has anything to do with it, they will hit way under. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Trust gonna, me, they'll, they'll, it won't be for a lack of effort. Right. They're going to play very young. They, uh, they, uh, they offloaded, uh, you know, any veteran who, who could really help them, Al Horford, and they bought Other out. than Gilgis Alexander, obviously. He's, I mean, I guess he, he's the, what is he, he's 22? And he's the, he's the, he's the statesman on the roster. Hey, he's got a, you know, he's got a. Him and, him and Mike Muscala. Him and right. Mike Muscala. They're going to, um, you know, Lou Dort is going to be leading team meetings, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, and French and play- English. They're going to play. <laughs> I think they're going to play Josh Giddy a whole bunch of minutes, uh, and he's going to handle sure. the ball. And so, whenever a lot, he, of, a lot of Giddy Poku pick and roll, one one of the one of the one of the ways to guarantee losses in the NBA is to play young guards. Um, yep. you, you know, which is one of the more reasons why Don, you know, there's a thousand reasons why Doncic is amazing, uh, and it's also one of the reasons why you really get impressed with guys like John Morant, uh, you know, yeah. uh, and Trey Young, because, you know, it takes guards a while. Yeah, in Donovan league. Mitchell is another one, even though he's not yes. a pure point, but, but still. But, but yeah. you play two young guards, um, and I know Gilgis Alexander isn't young, but you, you know, you play young guards. You're I mean, Shea just, Shea just signed a max contract. He, he is a, he is a star level player. He's okay. just well, playing on a, and, a terrible and, team. And look, how many, like, how creative are they going to be with his playing time? Like how, All right, so how, 22 how and a half over find to rest I, him. I, I, I think 22 and a half is a stay away. It's it, I'd, it's, I'd, I'd take the under. I mean, I, I can understand taking the under. It's hard to be a 60 loss team. That's a lot of losses. And I think they have an all-star caliber player on their team. And look, maybe he'll sit a ton of games, but if he's healthy, they could win 24, 25 games. Yeah, and that's still going to be a bottom five team. And, you know, they get to play 41 right. at home. So, right. And teams uh, are going to rest guys against them. Like they, it's, that's a, uh, it's a tricky number for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure Bricktown's going to be, you know, I'm not sure that crowd's <laughs> going to be booming. I'm not sure how much of a home court advantage that is. What's the name of your place you like to hang the, out the, there? The, the, the Pink Parrot. I don't know yeah. if the Pink Parrot, I don't, you know, I've never heard like you know, there's a Scottsdale flu. There's <laughs> obviously the South Beach flu. I've, you know, I think the pink parrot flu might be more of a, a media thing than you've had the pink thing. parrot flu. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shout out, right. Big Rich. Orlando is uh, twenty-three and a half over under. Um, this might be the best bet on the entire board for me. Okay, Jalen Suggs. I think I think Jalen Suggs is going to be awesome. I think the Magic are going to be horrendous. I think Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs is going to be extremely awkward at best yes that i agree with that they jonathan isaac will you know be back presumably but we'll see what he looks like they're going to have a ton of young guys playing they drafted franz wagner in the top 10 uh they have rj hampton who's probably going to play a bunch of minutes who was a a super young guy they got in the the Aaron gordon trade last year like they're clearly on the we're going to rebuild through the draft track and you know i just I think they're probably going to be the worst team in the league. And I, I think they're going to lose a ton of games. And again, some of this goes back to if you have 12 teams in the East that are playoff quality teams, I think these teams at the bottom of the conference, um, the two in particular, I think Cleveland and Orlando, um, I think are both going to go well under because they're just going to struggle to find games they can win because you have a lot of teams in the East that are trying to be in the the playoffs and being competitive. What about the Rubio Rubio bounce? Very, Uh, very big bounce. Houston, 25 and a half, McMahon. Uh, I'd probably take under on that. 
you know, to me, I definitely, so young. I, I definitely think well, the under because they're going to be playing so all these young guys a billion minutes. Well, and here's the, to me, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges for the Rockets is how do you deal with John Wall and, um, and Eric Gordon? Because, you know, you deal I, with I still, them by trying to deal them. Well, <laughs> good luck with John Wall's in 90. Gordon's I, I, contract's I, hard too. Yeah, not as hard though because there's, the last year's there's no guaranteed money. I think Gordon well, at some point. I think Gordon ends up getting traded at some point, but like John Wall, like dude, every minute he plays is is you're wasting time. Um, and, wouldn't you, you know, wouldn't you wouldn't you expect there to be a Blake Griffin type buyout situation there at some point this year? McMahon? The problem is it's ninety two million dollars. I mean, it's I get two, that, but it's two years of of supermax, dude. I mean, yeah, and I don't true. think he's same situation think, with with Kevin Love. I mean, it's sixty one or something. There, sixty two. Um, yeah. You know, you think I, there'd I, be a number, but it's it's just it's a hard it's a hard thing to do. I guess I, I guess if that was going to happen, it would have happened sort of like what happened with Kemba, right? Where he gets bought out in the offseason, yeah. you can sign for the mid level somewhere, and you can claw back twenty million or so and do it that way. Whereas I, in the middle of the season, it's harder. Right. I do think the, that the Rockets will be a fun young team. Um, but fun young teams, you know, tend to end up around <laughs> right. 23, 24 wins. Right. Yeah, yeah. And look, I, mean, like, I like, we've there's reason to come out and watch them. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've, we've I've talked about their four first round picks. They're going yeah, to be, I like watch their, sure. I like their rebuilding direction, which is all I need to understand that it's, you know, in the early stages of, of a rebuild and Jalen green is going to have some spectacular performance. Don't, you know, that aren't winning performances because, you know, he's going to have to be great to keep him in games. And, and, you know, you're counting on 19-year-olds to close games. It's tough. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Okay, so a so couple of numbers here before we go at the bottom that I just I don't understand why they're so low. Tell me if you think I'm crazy. Detroit, 25 and a half. I get why that's where it is. The, I again, know that they're not the, the super East, talented, but... Well, the East is also, full, again, the thing you have to factor in here, there are 12 playoff quality teams in the East. So for, Den- for Detroit and Cleveland and Orlando... They're going to have very, very, very few games where you give them much of a puncher's chance of winning. Now, they'll win some this. of them. History tells us that rookies very rarely impact winning, and yeah. rookie guards very, very rarely impact winning. 
Right. Even as so, good as Trey Young was as a rookie, it's not like the Hawks won a ton of games. They did or, not. Or, you know, the Mavericks with Luka. I mean, go on. Yeah. Yep. So I know that there's a lot of excitement over Cade, but the odds makers are saying here that we do not think that they will be materially better. They could win 26, 27 games, but I, I think I would, if I had to pick, I'd say under, but that's probably a stay away because they do have a little bit higher ceiling than Cleveland and Orlando, which I think will definitely I, go under. Look at the but, talent on their roster. I mean, yep. I think they've got way more talent than Cleveland and Orlando. I agree. I agree. I think they're, but I, I also could see them losing a lot of games because again, they're playing, you know, sneak base, second is, year uh, player, Killian Hayes, second year player, Isaiah right. Stewart, second year player, Cade, rookie. You know, they, they've got a lot of young guys to play. Cleveland's a 26 and a half, by the way. Okay. A couple more that I'm kind of surprised that they're low, but you know, these, you know, these, they're not just throwing these numbers up here. San Antonio, 29 and a half. Hmm. I love the over on that. I just think they're going to try. They're going to, they're going to try to win games and they, they, they lost to Mar, but they added that young, at least for now, they have a bunch of solid players. You know, I do not see them tanking. I don't see them selling off guys. They had, a, um, they had a McDermott who, you know, isn't a huge name, but I think he's a he's a quality he's player. A sol- he's a solid piece. He's a solid piece for them. Their defense will be a lot better without Demar. Um, you know, I think I, I'm they not were saying 33 like games, but right, but they were a 33 win team last year in a shortened season. Exactly. Um, this very well could be Pops last year. So I mean. You know, for damn sure, it ain't going to be a tank of Palooza. Well, they're, I think they'll be a mid thirties. I think they'll be a mid thirties win team. They're saying without Demar that they're, you know, that they're going to recede. So that's the thing. Well, um, and then you can we can get into the on off numbers with Demar and question the logic behind that. But all right, Washington won thirty four games last year despite crazy COVID issues and. Um, Dealing with Westbrook, where they were just all when they start 0 and 8 or something, or there was, there was uh, a they point lost, early they lost the like 14 Westbrook's first 14 <clears> games <throat> he played. I yeah, think. there was definitely a point early in the season where I thought Westbrook might end up with more technicals than wins. Okay, more so T's than W's. So they ended up with 34 wins and and in set 34 wins in 72 games and snuck into the to the eighth seed in the east. And I know that they traded Westbrook, but they are at 33 and a half now. I don't know if this is the odds maker saying we think Bradley Beal is going to get traded. I was going to say that that's such a wild card. But if, this if Beal doesn't so get traded, if Beal doesn't get traded, that should be another to me pretty clear over. Again, assuming health. I mean, some it, of the look like the, the Wizards fans will tell you some of the lineups that the Wizards had to play last year. Some of the guys that they had on the floor at one time, like there were times I don't want to make any insults, but you now look at their roster like. I realize that they traded Westbrook, but they are deep. They've got absolutely. They are much deeper and should be able to withstand some more things. Like I'm not going to spend that long time talking about the wizards here, but I thought 33 and a half was pretty low for them. I, I definitely, I definitely thought it was low and I thought Toronto's number was very low for similar reasons too. Okay. So Toronto is at 36 and a half. Now the intention is uh, that they will play at home. Their, their schedule is scheduled for, Scotiabank Arena. Um, so uh, 
you know, that certainly will help them getting to play at home again. Yes. Um, I think, I think with Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and OG and well, Siakam and, is going to miss some time with the show. I was going to say, when will we see Siakam? I mean, he'll, he'll be back early in, early in the season. I well, think Masai, he's supposed to miss about the first month. Masai Ujiri gave a press conference last week and he basically pronounced that Siakam is singing Kumbaya again with the organization that he and Nick nurse were yeah. at odds and the injury just compounded it. Um, and you know, he got suspended at one point last year for stomping off the court. Uh, he says everything's a okay. Do we believe, do we believe that? Um, I think it, I believe it more than I don't. I mean, I, I just, I just think last year was a disaster for them on every front. They, they were, they started two and eight. They lost three or four one point games in the first two weeks of the season. They get back to 500. They were well on their way to getting things right. COVID. Then, then they have their, all their coaches get COVID. Half their team gets COVID. They got completely derailed. They were playing away from home for the entire season. Everything was there a mess. There was the whole Lowry saga. Yes. Yeah. There was the whole, where's Kyle going to be? Is he going to be here? Is he not? Then they basically shut him down for the final six weeks of the season, um, you know, in a, in a certain attempt to, to move up in the lottery. So, you know, I, I think you look at all that, and I'll just be surprised if the, the Raptors aren't a above 500 team. They just, they're, they're just a solid team, well-coached pretty deep in talent. I, I think they're, cause again, 36 and a half, you're thinking that they're going to be, you know, somewhere between 10th and 12th in the East. I, I I'll be surprised if they're not. Yeah. Higher than that. I, th- I think they're a playoff team. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to, uh, to see how anything changes. There's really not, um, you know, this is the first time I can remember where they're, they're really, there was really so few teams with such high win expectations. Normally you see, yeah a 57 and a half up there or a 58 and a half up there. Yeah. There, so, there, there's nobody even in the upper fifties, nobody yeah, in the West above 51 and a half. Yeah. There's a, there's a ton of balance atop the league, which I think is exciting to, for us to go into the season. I think it's going to be pretty wide open. And again, it goes back to some of these teams that are seen as the favorites don't have a lot of incentive to push in a regular season. And so yeah. that gives you some weird numbers, but if you have six teams that are sort of in a group at the top of the West, you kind of have to balance out your chances of, of teams going high. And, you know, if you, if you think Brooklyn might take their foot off the gas, it, it lowers things a bit in the East, too. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening to the Collective Podcast. McMahon, uh, hope everything goes well for you. Bob Temps, get back to the beach. We'll talk to you guys next week. Adios, amigos. Mm-hmm.